people repeatedly propagate, promote, perpetuate, and pass them down throughout pop culture. Even though there's no substantial proof, the population prefers to spread these popular parables. We'll uncover unreal urban legends on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. You got it. Hello, 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 and welcome to another exciting edition of FYI for your English, the show where we tackle a different topic every week, and we, we learn tons and tons of new things about a wide range of topics, una amplia gama, a wide range, o te doy otra palabra, an array, a wide array of topics, and as we just saw, vocabulary. And a quick reminder, if you can't get all the vocabulary I go through in one episode, it's understandable. That's why I have accompanying worksheets and vocab sheets to help guide you through the episode. So if you want more information about the bonus audio that comes out every week and those additional resources and classes with me, weekly and monthly classes with me, well, all you have to do is go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso, and you can join our curious community for as little as three euros a month. And you'll have access to all the material that came before. That is over 120 episodes counting bonus episodes. That's also PDFs and worksheets and all the classes are saved. So even if you missed all the classes we had before, you can catch up. Again, the best thing to do is go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso and take a look around. And that said, I'd love to send a shout out to all my patrons, especially my super duper students. Mara, Javier, Francisco, Tony, Roberto, David, Jose Maria, Mila, Alex, Patricio, Edgar, and Loles. And don't forget about my interstellar students, Paco, Diego, Carmen, and Diana. Thank you so much to all my patrons. And remember, if you guys want more information or a free sample, just go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso or contact me and I'll send you a sample. Now, let's get on with the show. We'll start with our trailer as we often do because, well, there's a lot of juicy vocabulary in that trailer. Well, in every trailer, I should say. So then I started with this P thing here. I did a lot of P's in this one. In fact, so many P's that I lost track. People repeatedly, repetidamente, propagate. Now, I'm sure you know this word because it looks like a similar word in Spanish. Propagar, reproducir. Also, they promote. And promocionar o fomentar would be the word in Spanish. And 
perpetuate. Again, I think a lot of these words are Latin-based, so you guys will be able to recognize them. Now, another thing is the pronunciation. You say perpetuar, but for us it's perpetuate. Acuérdate, ese T-U es ch, future, nature, perpetuate. And then I said we pass them down. And to pass down is from generation to generation. We've looked at this vocabulary before. I think you say legar, possibly in Spanish. To pass things down from traditions to clothes. We pass things down. And here, throughout pop culture. Throughout es a lo largo de, and pop culture evidentemente es la cultura Popular. Then I said, even though, aunque, even though there's no substantial proof, and proof es el sustantivo, la prueba. Probar is to prove, so just be careful with those two words. I said, there's no substantial proof, but the population prefers to spread these popular parables. And to spread is diseminar, no? propagar, again. And a parable, well, that's like a little story with a message. These popular parables. And be very careful with the pronunciation of popular. It's not popular, it's popular. And then you heard like a movie trailer hit. I love that sound. And then I said, we'll uncover, destapar, unreal urban legends. Now, what does this mean, unreal? Que no son verdaderos? Yeah, well, I guess that, that goes without saying that these are unreal. But also, in American English, if something is unreal, it's awesome. So you can imagine that I meant it in both senses of the word. We'll uncover unreal urban legends on this week's episode. So what we can do, I guess, to start off is let's define an urban legend. What is an urban legend? Well, I googled it and it said, as used by folklorists, it has appeared in print since at least 1968. So we didn't use the term urban legend until 1968, even though we've been passing them down for centuries. I guess back in the day, it was called mythology or something different. And by the way, I'm organizing an episode for the future on mythology. It's in the pipeline. In the pipeline es que lo estamos planificando o está por venir. So let's define it. We said it, it first showed up in 1968, the term but an urban legend, or also known as a contemporary legend, is a genre, genero, of folklore comprising stories circulated as true. And I think that's an important element there. And especially as having happened to a friend of a friend, un amigo de un amigo, right? An acquaintance, an acquaintance es un conocido, or a family member. And oftentimes, they have horrifying and or humorous elements as well. These legends can be entertaining, but often concern mysterious peril, perilous peligro, or troubling events, such as disappearances and strange objects. They go on to say that urban legends are most often circulated orally, so we tell them but they can also be spread by any media, including newspapers, 
mobile news apps, email, and social media, as we've seen lately. I mean, there is no doubt in anyone's mind that the internet has made it a lot easier to spread and I would also say debunk urban legends. To debunk is to prove that they aren't true. So now that we have a general idea of what an urban legend is, let's take a look at different kinds of urban legends. Now, the first one is a hoax. And there are different kinds of hoaxes. Now, a hoax is a big, elaborate plan to fool someone. A hoax, un engaño, un fraude, pero suele ser a nivel masivo, hoax. It's an interesting word. And the first one that pops into my mind is the War of the Worlds. The War of the Worlds was, uh, as you guys know, this famous Orson Welles radio play that he did. And everybody started to panic. And they said that they were being attacked by aliens. And you could argue, I guess, was this a hoax? Or was this just great acting? Because, yeah, he was trying to fool people, right? But that's what actors do. They try and fool them. So I guess it was just really realistic. And I read that a lot of the, um, the reactions were overstated. Como que se, se exageró un poco. The War of the Worlds. A classic hoax. But again... I don't even think it was supposed to be a hoax. I think this guy was just such a damn good actor. He was so convincing that people thought that we were under an alien attack. This next hoax is definitely intentional. It's called the Piltdown Man. And I remember reading about this as well. The Piltdown Man was when in 1912, a man named Charles Dawson claimed that he had discovered what we call the missing link between ape and man. So everybody said, wow, this guy really figured out that connection, that missing link, the word link siendo vinculo. And it turned out to be fraud. That's right. The bone fragments that he presented as these fossilized remains, well, they were not human bones. See, this is the thing. A lot of these hoaxes, they were okay until we had carbon dating and other things like that. So not just the internet, but technology also disproves a lot of these hoaxes, especially these intentional ones. And there were always doubts from the get-go, desde el primer momento. People said, okay, yeah, you found the missing link, but all we see are some bones. And finally, in 1953, that's about 40 years later, they proved that these bones did not belong to some unknown early human, that the bones were manipulated, and this guy just did it for glory. As we'll see throughout the episode, some people do it for glory, some people do it for money, but however you slice it or dice it, pongas como lo pongas, it's wrong. It's lying. It's being misleading. To be misleading is el engañoso, pero cuando hablamos como de publicidad, ¿no? Hacerte creer una cosa 
que no es. One of my favorite hoaxes was the alien autopsy. And I remember this one. I remember begging my mom at the video store. I said, Mom, we got to rent this alien autopsy. They found this video and it shows an, an autopsy being performed on an alien. And well, they found this video from 1947 and it's, it's related to the Roswell UFO incident. And Mom, we got to do this. And so this came out, as, as I said, 1993. Now, they, they say that the guy was either a victim or the perpetrator. They haven't been able to figure out whether the guy who produced this tape of this autopsy, the guy's name was Ray Santilli. They said he was either a victim because he thought the tapes were real when he had gotten them, or he knew, he was well aware, and he was perpetrating this hoax, which, as, as, as I said, it involved uh, footage of an alien being operated on, or as I said before, really, it's an alien autopsy. And this footage had a pretty deep impact throughout the, the media. I remember in the United States, they were broadcasting it all over the place eventually, once they got the rights. But they uncovered that it was a hoax. It was a very elaborate hoax, and generally that, that's what they are. Hoaxes, uh, you know, take many people being quiet, doing a lot of things, sneaking around, as we said, a escondidas, and well, they, again, this guy, okay, he got a lot of publicity, you know, people were talking about him, about, they were talking about the video, but then they said, wait a second, this is, um, these, this, these are definitely made in a studio. There's no way that, and they were able to disprove it. And this has even happened now with religious things, things that are biblical and that people have found. And the perfect example is the Shroud of Turin or as they call it, the Holy Shroud. And this is supposedly the sheet that Jesus Christ was buried in, and it left a mark of his body. And I remember, I remember reading books on the Shroud of Turin. And I remember my mother as well. She, I think she even has a print on the wall. And they say that it's Jesus of Nazareth, and it was his burial shroud, and it was him uh, wrapped up after the crucifixion. Now, this was first mentioned in 1354 when they found the shroud and they came to the conclusion that it belonged to Jesus of Nazareth. However, in 1389, again, 40 years, I think, is the magic number. Now with internet, 40 minutes. Something is disproved in 40 minutes. Well, the shroud was denounced in 1389 and it was by a local bishop Un obispo. So it wasn't even somebody who had anything against religion. In fact, I believe religious figures, members of the clergy, they want to believe it's real, even if science says it isn't. But this guy was skeptical. This Bishop of Troyes was his name. And currently, well, the Catholic Church neither formally endorses nor rejects the shroud. So they're not saying it's not Jesus, but they're not saying it's him either. And again, it's because of testing, because of carbon dating, and all of these things that, yeah, we'd love to believe it, but if it's not true, if, if the, the numbers don't match up, as much as it's ideal to believe it, we've got to follow the scientific facts. And again... 
uh, as a religious person, there is nothing I would like more than to believe that that is the actual shroud that Jesus was wrapped in. But again, science and and man, I should say man, it's, it's really man who wants for their own glory to be the discoverer of something, the person who introduces something to the world, some kind of relic. I mean, doesn't it ring a bell, guys? Doesn't this sound a little bit like uh, an Indiana Jones script? You know, you want to be the one who uncovers that. And you know what? I think that's one of the reasons that these urban myths, these hoaxes, they spread so quickly because we want to believe they're true. Whether they're true or not is another issue, but we want to believe it. Now, sometimes people pull pranks because it's a holiday. Now, to pull a prank is gastar una broma. And the holiday I'm referring to is April Fool's Day. In Spanish, you call it Dia de los Inocentes. We call it April Fool's Day, and it falls on April 1st. And I think this day, everybody's a prankster. Everybody's prankster side comes out. And a prankster is obviously somebody who likes to pull pranks. And the BBC was no different. This was April Fool's Day, 1957. And the BBC had a program about current affairs, uh, actualidad, current events or current affairs. And the program was called Panorama. And they showed a family in southern Switzerland. And this family was harvesting, esto es cogiendo la cosecha, harvesting spaghetti from a spaghetti tree. Now, I know it sounds ridiculous, but if you get the BBC, a serious news outlet, and you get images of spaghettis on, of spaghetti, you know, pieces of spaghetti on trees, well, guess what? It's going to be a little bit more believable than if, you know, your your uncle tells you or your your brother-in-law. But if your brother-in-law says, did you see it? It was on BBC. So that's another thing, too. When something is on TV, it makes it more true, even if it's not. Why? Because it was on TV. Because they said it on BBC. Because CNN said it. And now we've, we've never seen that so uh, pertinent as now with the, the fake news thing. Like, can you even trust it because it was on TV or because it was on the Internet? Because as far as I know, almost anybody can put anything on the Internet. So the BBC, I mean, they were just having a laugh. And you know what? Spaghetti wasn't so big yet. It wasn't like now spaghetti is everywhere. So not everybody was familiar with spaghetti in uh, the British Isles. So the people over there, they didn't know. They, they, they were just, you know, innocent, naive, I guess you could say. And a lot of people, viewers, espectadores, contacted the BBC after this piece had aired, and they were asking uh, for some advice on how to grow their own spaghetti trees. So again, there's an urban legend that uh, lasted about a day, but people still remember it. And I'll post it on Patreon if you guys haven't seen that news report. But it's kind of cool because, as I said, that's a day where everybody is a bit of a prankster. Now, I can't think of somebody who is more of a prankster than this next guy. 
But I would say more than a prankster, he was a shrewd businessman. This guy, I mean, he was born to make a buck. That's the way he put it. He was an American showman. His name was Phineas Taylor Barnum. Uh, He went by the name P.T. Barnum. Maybe it sounds familiar to you guys. He was the founder of the Barnum and Bailey Circus, the most famous circus. And, well, he was a guy who basically was a showman. And he wanted to dazzle people. And he didn't care if he had to make it up. He didn't care if he had to, you know, mislead people, to use the word that we saw before. And he said, and I quote, I am a showman by profession, and all the gilding shall make nothing else of me. And gilding is como dorar, no? When we gild something, we cover it with some metal. So he's like, you can cover me up with as many layers of metal as you want. He goes, that's me. I'm a showman. And his personal aim in life was to put money in his own coffers. Uh, his coffers or his accounts, his, uh, his safes, sus cajas fuertes. And supposedly, he coined the term There's a sucker born every minute. Un pringado, I think you say. O un mamón nace cada minuto. And this guy just literally went around the world, you know, telling a woman, okay, you're going to wear this mermaid suit. And he told people, I have a living mermaid. I have all these circus sideshow freaks. And the guy traveled around the world. This was before the circus. And he made tons of money showing people shocking things. But none of them were real. But people didn't care. A really interesting biography, if you want to read the biography of P.T. Barnum. Now, I also wanted to take a look at some superstitions, because if you think about it, a superstition is an urban legend, too. It's something that has been passed down. Usually there's a lesson to be learned. And if we don't do something, something's going to happen to us. Or the opposite. If we do something, something is going to happen to us. And the first one that pops into my mind here is to cross your fingers. I mean, this is even an idiomatic expression. We don't only do it, but we say, cross your fingers. I have a big meeting tomorrow. Now, I don't know if anybody really believes whether that works or not, but it's made it into the lexicon. I mean, we use it. Believing it? Yeah, that's another story. But it is used all the time, even from people who are not superstitious at all. And speaking of superstitions, we can look at bad luck. Again, this depends on the country. A lot of countries have a variation, right? They adapt it to their own society. But I know in my country, for example, in the United States and many places in the West, uh, if you break a mirror, that's bad luck. If you walk under a ladder, Hmm, not a good idea. Or if a black cat crosses your path. I think that one's the same in Spain, too. This one isn't, though. Friday the 13th. Yeah, we say viernes 13, and you guys say martes 13. Well, well, we at least we agree that 13 is an unlucky number. And there is another urban legend slash superstition. Well, speaking of numbers, 666. The devil's number. So there's a lot behind numbers as well. And of course, we can't look at bad luck without looking at good luck. What things bring good luck? Well, a rabbit foot? Sure. Remember those keychains? They were very popular. A horseshoe? I think you say herradura. 
Um, oh, well, bad luck. I forgot this one. Opening your umbrella inside. Don't do that. That's bad luck. And you want to know something? I don't believe it. But do you think I've ever opened my umbrella inside? Nope. So a part of us kind of abide by these unwritten rules, even if we don't believe them at all. Another example of that is knock on wood. Do you really think if you knock on wood, you're going to have a, a great meeting? No. But uh, hey, I'm not going to rule it out either. Another one it reminds me of too is uh, break a leg. Break a leg. It's bad luck to wish somebody good luck in the entertainment industry. So we say, break a leg. You guys say, a lot of poop. <laughs> that can be confusing for us natives. Uh, another one I remember we used to say when we were kids, if you step on a crack, you break your mother's back. Si pisas una grieta on the sidewalk in La Acera, you break your mother's back. So I don't know, uh, maybe some of those will sound familiar to you here in Spain and other ones you'll say, what? But again, these are spread all around the world and everybody takes it and makes it their own. Let's take a look at another kind, and this is hidden meanings. That's right, these subliminal messages. Now, some people say that they're in there and it was done on purpose, and people are getting messages across to us through music and in advertising, publicidad, and the symbols are there. Have you guys seen it? Have you seen in The Lion King when the letters spell the word sex? Or have you seen the dildo, the penis, on the cover of The Little Mermaid? Are these urban myths? Or are these just animators and advertisers taking the piss, as my British friends would say? To take the piss is como vacilarnos un poco. And you can see this with symbols, with, as we said before, numbers. Uh, have you heard this one? The Monster Energy Company. You know, Monster Energy, they sell these energy drinks. Well, supposedly, that M is the Hebrew alphabet. So it uses the Hebreo, the Hebrew alphabet. And the letter M in their logo supposedly disguises the number 666. Even in music, uh, backward masking. There's, um, there's a section of the population there that says that Led Zeppelin uses backward masking. Led Zeppelin, the Beatles. And what is that? They say that if you play one of their songs backwards, I believe it's Stairway to Heaven, he says, my sweet Satan. So this is another kind of urban legend that spreads. And as a lot of these artists said, well, you know, it's very difficult to write lyrics. So just imagine writing them backwards. But again, we want to believe they're true. I think that's the whole thing with religion. I don't consider myself a religious person. I consider myself a spiritual person. But somewhere deep down inside me, I want to believe, and I think that's what keeps these urban legends going on and on, generation after generation, century after century. And in the bonus part of today's show, we're going to take a look at some hauntings, which again could be a category of urban legends, casas o sitios que están 
Encantados. We're also going to look at some of the most haunted places in Spain, and then we're going to look at some of the characters that we have created in urban legend, such as the Chupacabras, the Boogeyman, Bigfoot, the Yeti, and so much more. So I hope you guys will join us in the bonus part of today's FYI.